Hello, Whole Home listeners. It is certainly good to be back. During the Gap in Episodes, my family has been hosting family from Missouri, and coming up this week, we'll be hosting family from California for several weeks. It's been a busy time over here, and especially preparation. Uh, We have never had family stay with us so long. I think I see my sister maybe once a year, and Ryan has only spent time with his dad a total of about five days in his entire life. So we are about to go into an adventure, but uh, we thank you, Lord, for your redemption story. So that's what's been going on with me. Now, as promised, I have a delightful lady with me tonight whose name begins with M. And welcome to Whole Home, Maria. Hi, thank you for having me. I am so glad to have you here tonight. We have been doing a little dance to try and figure out our date to coordinate our talk, but we did it. So here we are. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, we made it. We made it. And we have known each other a long time. I can't remember the first time that we met. I do know that you were part of uh, my community group and Ryan's community group like a decade ago. But what do you have? (laughs) I think I remember what I thought when I first met you. Wow, that is so specific. (laughs) It is, but it's because you look like Claire Danes to me. Oh, yes. And I could not get that out of my head. (laughs) That is so funny. Well, okay, I am going to have you tell later how you got to our community group because it's a pretty sweet story. But um, that's in the second episode. And anyways, I thought to myself, I'm going to go back into my emails and see what I have, if there's anything random from literally a decade ago. Wow. And there was funny stuff like prayer requests from our community group. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> Food trains, like baby shower help for Hannah, um, just kind of fun stuff. And then your maiden name was still on there. Yes. Yep. On your email way back when. <laughs> That's wild. Yep. So anyway... I wanted to say before we started, Maria, you are a no-nonsense woman. You are faithful. You have a big heart. Uh, Your day-in and day-out display of godly selflessness in your caregiving and serving of those in your household is something that I admire. You are very fun to talk to. Your knowledge of throwback TV and movies (laughs) puts anyone to shame. And you are such a loving wife and mama, and it shows Let's dig into your soil, and I'm excited for other people to get to know you better. So, Maria, where did you grow up? Oh, my goodness. Thank you for all your kind words. That was so nice. Um, I grew up not far from here, about 100 miles in Virginia Beach. I've been there maybe once. Not at the beach. Okay. So there's the beach, which is great and fun, but then most of Virginia Beach is actually suburbs. And so I grew up mostly... um, on the part that borders Chesapeake. Okay, that sounds nice. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) You know, just Virginia suburbs. It sounds like, is there like nuts or what's the food that's associated with Chesapeake? Crabs. Crabs, okay. Yeah, that's probably why I don't go very much. Do you like crabs? I do, I just don't like picking them. Okay. It's a lot of work. Okay. Breaking the shell. Never done it. Well, tell me more about Chesapeake area. So, We moved to Kempsville. That's the specific area I grew up in in 1996. I started going to public school. It was middle school time. So I was like, uh, previously I'd been a Catholic school um, for elementary. So it was not only just this big move because I had always lived in the same house prior to that. Um, 
it was like this huge life shift to go from private Catholic school to public school. Yeah. That's pretty much a huge distinguishing factor when I think about that time. Virginia Beach, the Virginia Beach I knew Mm -hmm. was very, uh, like I said, suburbs. Like everything that comes to mind when you think of the suburbs. Malls. Yes, malls and cute little houses Mm -hmm. and parents and kids. Overwhelming amount of children. Bikes, I don't know. Yeah, bikes. The mailman, yeah. you know, all of that stuff <laughs> Yeah, um, is very, I think, by the book, honestly. So could you still smell the beach? Like how far away were you? Absolutely not. No. Oh, okay. Um, my parents in particular uh, live like a street over from the interstate wall. Okay. You can't really see it because <laughs> there's so many trees. It's a very old road. It's honestly the first road that was ever built in Kempsville. We found that out one year. Um, There used to be just farms there. Mm -hmm. So we have the oldest road. Um, So no, there's no smelling of the beach. It just smells like trees, pine trees, and oak trees. Yeah, Um, you just mixed my categories up with farm and beach together. That sounds like a great life (laughs) nearby. So that you, I just want to go back really quick. When you were in Catholic school, did you start at kindergarten or like preschool, like three, four? So for me, I started at 18 months, I started at Montessori. I love Montessori. It was such a freeing time, um, the way that they operate. You have so much autonomy, Mm -hmm. and you learn based on, like, what your interests are. Mm -hmm. And I had such a great time in Montessori, and I was there until uh, first grade. Um, And then my parents transitioned me to Catholic school. And that was really, really hard because not much has changed about me. Um, Since then, I still love to talk. (laughs) <laughs> and I did then. Um, and going from an environment where you are trusted to choose when you use the bathroom right. um, at such a young age to one where you have to basically do everything how they tell you, when they tell you, you know, so much control. Uh, it wasn't it wasn't yeah, pretty. Even <laughs> probably down to what you wore, I'm guessing. Even. Oh, yeah we, yeah, we wore uniforms. Although I will say the Richmond Diocese. Um, which is what we belong to, is the most liberal one. Okay. So we did have a, I guess, from what I hear, the most liberal Catholic school experience that you could mm-hmm. maybe have. But yeah, first through third grade, by the end of the year, I was wholly and entirely separate from everybody else. Mm-hmm. Because although I did well, I wouldn't stop talking to like <laughs> everybody around me. And so the teacher was like, you basically need to be separate. Yeah. Um. Okay, so close your eyes, or don't have to close your eyes, but give me like one image from the Montessori and then what would be the the image from the Catholic school? An image? Or something like that, just like, okay, this is what I think of when I think of Montessori. So when I think of Montessori, I just think of being really favored. Mm-hmm. Um, the teacher actually we're still really close with, what? and she teaches my nephew. She's in her late 70s, and it's she incredible. still has a school, and she loves it. It's her passion in life. So I felt really favored and loved. And then Catholic school was more of um, an image. I'm trying to think of how it made me feel. I would say it just kind of made me feel like wrong, maybe, mm-hmm. um, and a bit, a bit uh, isolated, you know. Yeah, and then you had to move. So where you're like, peace out, everybody. <laughs> yeah, I moved. Then I moved in sixth grade. So it was a great time to move because it, everyone else was moving to middle school, which is the worst. <laughs> middle school was the worst, and I went to public school for three years. 
and then back to Catholic oh. high school for high school. Okay. Yeah. So, so I bounced back and forth. Tell me about, well, I'm <laughs> guessing you go back to visit your family because you said you still even know that teacher. Yes. That's amazing that you have those long relationships. Well, tell me about your parents and siblings. So my parents met because my mom is from Virginia Beach and my dad joined the Navy in 1979 and he befriended my mom's sisters. Mm. And then they were all friends. One of my aunts married my dad's roommate and my mom married my dad. That's so Um, cute. Yeah, it is cute. It's cute to think of them young, Mm -hmm. not married, boyfriend, girlfriend. My mom pinched my dad's butt in church. Okay. Whoa. (laughs) (laughs) And that's like... It worked out. That's like how she got his like attention. It was the same Catholic church I grew up in. (laughs) I laugh about that because it was... They're kind of a funny pairing. That is unexpected. It was. It is. I just always think about that and laugh really hard. So was it hard? Did they have to date a long time? Did he have to go away? That's what's wild. They dated not long at all. Uh, And then they were married a year before I was born. They were married at the end of 1983. And then I came January 1985. And I think they dated less than a year. They just knew. Yeah. They just loved each other. And now they've been married almost 40 years. That is amazing. Okay. Siblings? Oh, yeah. Um, So I am the oldest of four. However, the the family joke, I guess, is that I'm a brat because (laughs) because I was basically the only child for six years um, before my sister came. So after me is my sister, Alexandra. And then I have two years later, my brother, Daniel, came. And then seven years after him, um, an unplanned baby, Mm. (laughs) but a very much loved baby, my brother Frankie. Okay. He arrived. So between him and I, there's a 14-year age gap. He calls me a boomer. Fun. So tell me what your parents did. Your dad was in the Navy. What was his specific job? So he really um, didn't spend much time in the Navy once he fulfilled his first I don't know, round or four years. I don't know what they call it. He left. And my mom used to tell me that my dad has the, had the same profession as Jesus. Oh. Yeah. Um, <laughs> uh, as a carpenter, he is more, I would say, of an artist. He's mm-hmm. a cabinet maker. Um, he's done custom kitchens my wow. whole life. He That's really, the man can honestly build anything. Wow. Um, he built the home that they live in. And he, he's really wise in that he knows what he can do and he knows what, exactly what he can't do, which I think is a really great skill. Yeah. Because then you know when to outsource. That's really wise. Um, okay. And then your mom? And my mom has been working in advertising since the mid-70s. Um, she is highly respected in her field, really well known, definitely still going Although she's towards the end, you know, of Mm -hmm. her career. And I hope that she can retire in the upcoming years. But she always worked in advertising. And it was a really cool thing to have a mom in that role because she was able to score tickets to everything. (laughs) We were not very uh, wealthy by any means. Uh I would say they provided well, but just exactly what we needed. So extra stuff wouldn't have been able to probably happen Mm -hmm. but i saw like every single disney on ice every single concert that came through that i wanted to see the circus i went behind the scenes so i had a really like big 
experience-filled childhood mm-hmm. S- simply because my mom was in advertising and people would just have free tickets to everything, Yeah, basically. So when you were growing up, though, it wouldn't have been, like, computer-based. Do you have, like, memories of your mom with, like, drawings and portfolios? So we were and- actually one of the first families I knew that had computers. Um, we had, like, you know those Mac computers that were white boxes? Yes. We had oh, a couple yes. of those. A couple. To have a couple. And at <gasps> the time when they were made, you would buy one. And literally in two months, it would be obsolete because they were churning and let out new stuff like a mm-hmm. lot. So I, w- I had like typed reports. Um, <laughs> She's in smiling really school. big right now. <laughs> I felt so proud of this because I had access to like so many cool things like um, yeah. like dubbed video kit. I don't know if people, this, this is definitely going to age me. Okay. Prior to VHS was beta. Oh, and I had I everything dubbed on beta wow and then there was like converters where you could put this it's a it looks like a tiny vhs you would put that into a bigger one and then Mm -hmm. you could play that in a vhs player but i had so many things probably i guess it's illegal (laughs) illegally (laughs) uh recorded from the tv to watch as a child yeah yeah so my mom's job has always been very cool to me no doubt i'm just thinking she'd be really fun to talk to about like shifts and how she's been able to stay in the business so long and how much it's changed and so on and so forth she actually i don't know exactly i'm gonna butcher it but she was a media buyer and did stuff for marketing and like shifted to freelance and people were talking to her in her field about how she was sort of in the area regionally i guess one of the first people to shift Mm -hmm. um, her role uh, in that way so that she could be freelanced mm-hmm. and, and work for different people. I don't really even know what that means. But yeah. I know that my mom is, <laughs> her brain is always working mm-hmm. over time. And she is just full throttle. Yeah. yeah. Did you ever get to help her think of an idea? She used to, I spent a lot of summers in her office. Okay. And she, I think she used to make me feel like I was doing things <laughs> uh, that weren't actually ever going to be used. But she definitely always supported my creativity. Mm -hmm. So probably maybe before you had your extra siblings, you said there's a six-year gap. Yes. That's when she would take you. Uh, And then as I got older, they would go on to stuff, and then I would be with her just because I could hang Mm -hmm. out with her in the office and not bother her too much. So I would just hang out on the computers and print things and make things and (gasps) take – copious amounts of works uh, did you have the paper supplies. where you had to peel the like dotted i do remember that paper from line. montessori school they use that yeah. for coloring but <laughs> at her job it was things had advanced by at that okay. point because that was like the mid 90s you know <laughs> versus the 80s paper yeah well, I, my sister just reminded me about the 80s paper the other day, and I got really excited about it. Because it was all connected, and it was, like, perforated. Yeah. And you had to take those dots off because yeah. that's what fed it through the machine. Yeah. And it, I and they remember were like being 11. annoyed about doing it. They were huge. Yes. Yeah. It was so annoying. Okay, so how <laughs> were you described by your parents or your siblings? Well, I think I definitely would be described as loud. I don't know if I have a positive description. <laughs> I know that they would say nice things about me, but what's in my head, my personal voice is not positive. <laughs> so I remember I was loud and I talked too much and I liked things my way. Yeah. Were you like a busy kid? I You're always doing something? I definitely was always doing something, but 
when you're six years older than your siblings, um, I also, I always just felt like I'm a third parent. So I really felt like my role personally was like a third parent, like in the middle, like they were the kids and they were the parents. And I was right there, just kind of in the center with parental roles and (laughs) sibling roles, you know? Yep. So did you get asked to babysit or did you Oh, yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Definitely. Well, especially since um, I was 14 when my youngest brother was born. Mm-hmm. So I loved it. I, lo- oh. I I think I spent his first summer with him and mm-hmm. it just melted my cold little heart. Aww. I think I had been so upset when they said she was pregnant because I was thinking, wow, strollers are going to go away and I'm going to get mm-hmm. my mom back. And then they were like, I thought they were going to tell us we're going to Disney World or something. <laughs> and they were like, we're pregnant. I think I turned around. And I couldn't look at them because I was so mad. And then when he came, I was just like, oh, thank God. He's great. I love him. Mm. And he was basically like, I think people thought he was my, like I was a teen mom. Yeah. Because I was with him (laughs) so much, which was so awkward because I would think like, no one has even kissed me yet. And people think this is my baby. (laughs) Like I remember like just like just being horrified at that. So you're still close to this day? Um, we are as close as we could be mm-hmm. given we're such like different, um, life stages. He just finished up, uh, a term with, um, the Marines and now he's an air traffic controller. So he's cool. 24 and living his life, doing really cool things. Um, and I'm, like I said, he calls me boomer. You know, I'm an, an old lady with kids. So Aww. like we love each other, but you know, we're in such different seasons of life. Yeah. All right. Okay, well, if you don't mind, let's skip to your friends. Hey, what friends. was your friend group like? Oh, man. So because I change schools so often, it varies. But there are still people, because of beautiful thing of social media, mm. there are still people that, like, I was in school with as a little guy that um, I still kind of keep in contact with. Were you talking about a high school guy, a person? No, like like people from the Catholic school. Oh. Because when I returned Whoa. to Catholic high school, all the same <gasps> people from elementary were Whoa, there. What a trip. I know. So my friend group consisted of a couple girls, three girls in high school, I guess what I would consider like my friend's group. Unfortunately, one of them became not our friend um, at the end of high school. Girl drama. But the other two, I still talk to. Um, one, one the most frequently, but you know, everyone's so busy with life. So it's hard to stay connected to like those, mm-hmm. especially when you don't live in the same area. But one friend, Nikki, I still speak with her all the time. What brought you to be friends? Was it a sport or club or just, so I love the shy group, obviously not the shy group. I don't <laughs> think we're the shy group. I feel like we were sort of the, fr- a fringe group. I had friends with, ev- I was friends with everybody. Okay. Everybody from all the different groups. So I never really felt like I fit in in any of. Do you think because you were so friendly, were you really funny? Were you just I was really definitely outgoing. I think I was definitely outgoing, but I went to the private school for the first two years of high school, and then I went back to public. And I think when I went back to public, I was like, I am over the high school thing. So I was really open in ways I don't think were maybe easy to be um, when you're so caught up in high school. Okay. And all of that. I was definitely caught up in high school. You know, like, if oh, I could I, go back. Yeah. Oh. Well, <laughs> yeah, I, I wasn't. I did a lot of silly things. Like, I ran for vice president of senior <laughs> class just to do it. Can I didn't you? win because I ran against the nicest girl ever who had been 
that position the whole time. I just didn't even know. <laughs> you tried though. You I tried. tried. I mean, for me, it was like I spoke in front of my entire class. That's insane. Yeah. I can't even believe I did that to this day. I'm like, who was I? Did I black out? Like, what, you know, <laughs> so I did. I think I was just able to be friends with a lot of different people because I wasn't caught up in um, the traditional high school mindset. Yeah. Which was nice. Um, I had a lot of fun, honestly. Um, but what really united us was that we were friends in middle school. And I was like, hey, guys, I'm back. And they were like, hey, cool. You know, so mm-hmm. um, they accepted me and we had a lot of fun. I think we laughed constantly. Okay. Give me a window into Catholic high school. Ooh. A window. Um, I felt <laughs> like by the time sophomore year had ended, I was just begging my mom to leave. Um, a lot of people came from really affluent backgrounds. I wouldn't say that I felt any connection to being Catholic. It was just something that was always just part of our lives. Mm. So I didn't have... Um, Are you talking about like way back like into grandparents or... I really don't know much about my grandparents' faith. I think they were both Catholic. Dad became Catholic for my mom okay. to marry her in the church. But I really just felt like, although Catholicism was really important enough to my parents to send me to Catholic school, I don't really think it made an impression much on my day-to-day life. Mm-hmm. You know, I went to mass during school. Religion was like another subject we learned. What happens me. at mass? It's so embedded into me. I could go to mass right now and say all the things that (laughs) they say, except I think they upgraded the language to sound more new since I went. But mass is much like like a sermon, Mm -hmm. except a lot more ritualistic readings and sayings and responses Mm -hmm. uh, to prayers. So you can definitely check out and just say the response to whatever has been said okay Um, so there is a portion of teaching oh absolutely yeah it's uh the the homily okay i believe is what it's called well you know babs do you remember babs she said that she just a friend of ours who's yes um, she's like my east coast mama but she would go to catholic mass but it would all be in latin so i don't even know oh yeah. yeah so like i said um the richmond diocese was the most liberal ours were not in latin i don't know if that was offered i know that our church offered spanish mass but i've never heard one in latin okay that would be kind of cool (laughs) it would be actually now that i I think about it yeah totally. honestly to be truthful like i am not catholic now as you know but going to a mass is comforting Mm -hmm. i think the cadence of it um is comforting there's something it's just because it's nostalgic maybe yeah i don't know not that i've gone in a very long time but if i went i wouldn't feel odd so was your last one like the end of high school either that or going back to like um a christmas service in college okay midnight mass before christmas so did you do clubs in high school sports um so basically in high school i was also like daria (laughs) so it was very (laughs) i don't know what's the word just not interested in all of the those things but I did do journalism okay because my friends did it and we did the school newspaper so that was really it I didn't play sports except at the Catholic school that was really encouraged so I did do rowing crew which is so 
hilarious okay. to me that I, I do think crew. of that's intense. Isn't it? It's like running with your arms. <laughs> as intense as that sound, yeah. that is what it's like. But I could do it because it didn't mean that I needed to like become in contact with anybody else because that was so not my thing. I'm not aggressive in sports settings. Mm-hmm. So crew is kind of like you against yourself. Okay. The timing and pulling as fast as you needed to. All right. Well, back to newspaper yeah. really fast. Did you just show up and you were like in the room or were you like, would you get into it? Like, here's the story or we're really setting this photo spread here. Everybody let's. I I think like <laughs> everything at the time I was half heartedly into it. it was more of like, I'm here to hang out with my friends. And yep. I think that I took pictures until someone did it better. And then I didn't take pictures anymore. <laughs> I think where I shined in journalism was we had to sell advertising Mm. and I would go out and ask the local like shops, hey, do you want to buy an advertisement in this local school paper? I think I did it because I knew that they most likely wouldn't say no Mm because it was really cheap and it's the local high school. So I was fairly confident. Good job. I would never do that now. Did you go to prom? I went to prom alone. (laughs) (laughs) I went alone. I've never asked anyone that before, but for some reason talking to you about high school, I was like, I need to talk about prom right now. So I'm the most awkward person ever, especially back then. And all my friends had boyfriends. I had none because I didn't want one because it just stressed me out. I felt like I had to have a date junior prom. Mm-hmm. And then it w- I just hated it. The whole time <laughs> he was so nice. It was it was just awful. So senior year, I said, I'm going to have fun and I'm going to go by myself. And I did, and it was great. Yeah. All right. How'd you do your hair? <laughs> um, someone else did my hair. I went to like hair cuttery, and she didn't updo. Um, I still have my prom dress. Oh wow. Yeah. Are you nostalgic or what? My mom had it. She gave it to me a couple years ago. I was like, cool. That's crazy. Yeah. Yeah. I had to hear about the updo. Okay. Well, Laura's like, there's <laughs> nothing else to talk about, Maria. <laughs> no, it's not true at all. <laughs> It's not true at all. Okay. Did you work? (laughs) Yes. Okay. So this is fun. The same three friends, the four of us, all got jobs at TJ Maxx. My dad used to call me a um, fashionista. And then a few years later, they adopted Maxinista. And I was like, dad, (laughs) you did that. So yeah, we all worked at TJ Maxx. I would cash my $60 paycheck and spend it there. Whoa. (laughs) It was ridiculous. So I think we earned five twenty-five an hour because that yeah. was minimum wage. Okay. And were you ever all working at the same time? Yes. Was it madness? Um, so the reason why I quit finally is because they would never put me on register. I was always <laughs> in the fitting room and I hated it. Um and I I don't know if I just wasn't um like charismatic enough with the uh <laughs> management. I'm not oh, kidding. I thought you were going to say with the customers. No, the customers, the I was fine. Room. But I just felt like the management just was like, no, you're going to do fitting room and nothing else. And so I got really bored with that. So my kind of first job, number two, but feels like my first job was an ice cream scooper at Brewster's. Yeah. And that was way my speed. I yeah. loved that. And you had those arms already from rowing, right? <laughs> yeah. But it's it. a forearm. Okay. You just got to like really get in there. <laughs> And that was so much fun. My dad used to wait up for me to come home with a spoon because he would always want me to bring him ice cream. Nice. So, yeah. I think the craziest thing you have to do in those jobs is one time I spent a whole four-hour shift making waffle cones. <laughs> but I'm great. I can do tortillas. You've seen me do tortillas. Yeah. So I have really good um, fingers. I don't, they don't burn easily. Yeah. 
I think I lost weight the first time I worked there because I would just eat ice cream (laughs) (laughs) and like nothing else um, on the days I worked. Okay. Favorite flavor? Ooh. So I'm a purist. I have to try vanilla. I know that sounds so ridiculous. Yeah. But to me, like the vanilla, it's really important that the vanilla is good of any, any ice cream. But these days I really like going to ice cream spots that do really funky things Mm -hmm. like salt and straw is one that's west coast based and the first time I had their ice cream it had like goat cheese in it It was really bizarre I would try it but it was so good yeah yeah I just learned while we watched something silly on tv that like Ben and Jerry's doesn't make vanilla I'm like can you do that can you make ice cream and not have vanilla (laughs) that is wrong yeah Yeah. I don't agree with that at all it kind of was strange But okay, let's see. Well, I guess if you could like trace a thread. So you had this great group of friends and then you work together. It sounds like you had a fun life. I don't know. It does sound like I had a fun life. Yeah. Um, (laughs) That's how it sounds. Like you would see each other during the week and you'd hang out on the weekends and then you go to work together. Oh my gosh. Yeah. As far as that friend group goes, I mean, we did everything together for years. And Was it weird to kind of grow up and... Did you feel that sense of like you were changing? Like, I don't know. I'm thinking of teen movies. (laughs) It really happened over um, a handful of years. I think it happened in such a natural way for us to sort of like grow apart that it never felt bad. It's just kind of, you know, your life gets rolling Mm -hmm. and you talk to each other less. You see each other less. But whenever we do speak, it's great. And I think we're the the. three of us are planning to get together at some point because our 20 year high school reunion was this past this year okay so we're definitely trying to like link up and catch up all right so you who were you in high school as far as like your internal self Ooh, so my internal self i would say that i was really really self-conscious person Mm mm-hmm embarrassed easily just didn't wanted to be noticed but not at all like didn't want to be noticed at all so it was a very big internal battle of forcing myself to do things that I thought that I should be doing because they were like normal people should go to parties even though the idea of going to a party like just wigged me out yeah so like I remember the first high school party I went I had to like pep talk myself because I am very outgoing but like not in a big group so um, a lot of high school was me just being like do this because everyone else does this and so that I feel normal Mm -hmm. you know I think that I struggled with I don't know what like imposter syndrome or just not feeling like good enough a lot yeah so I just had to fake it yeah. Till you make it. Um, and I don't know if I always made it. <laughs> you know, I think there's a lot of really embarrassing stories of uh, that I could tell that I will not tell about those years because I just was really trying to figure out who I was and not really having a positive, uh, like, internal voice. Yeah. Did you think about God or you said you didn't really let it come into play in your life as you're trying to figure that out? That's really interesting. My um, relationship with Jesus, I think has been lifelong. There's anything I can say about having been introduced to Catholicism basically from birth uh, is that as a child, I loved I loved Jesus. Um, mm-hmm. My mom always taught me, if you wake up in the night and you're scared, pray. And I always did. And it was always comforting. I always had a, a prayer life. I think even in the years where I wanted nothing to do with organized religion, because that came after Catholic school, that was a while. I always had this like, It's like, even though I didn't want anything to do with organized religion, 
I always felt like I knew that God was there. Mm-hmm. And so I would say as a small child, I was all about that. And I embraced that relationship with Jesus. But as I grew older, I confused Christ or God with the people that I saw that I felt like were living at odds with what was taught to us. So I was so much really just rejected the people and then got along with it. Yeah. Um, as I got older, I would say my 20s were a huge rejection of everything. I just didn't want anything to do with any of it, you know? Yeah. I would tell you it was superstition. Okay. Back then. Did you have plans for after school? How did you see yourself? You said you had some self-doubt. I think in my family, um, especially for me, college was not an option. College was like you were going to go to college. Okay. That's what I was going to do. Mm-hmm. So after, well, that's helpful. You, <laughs> you know, after school was like, what else would you do but college? Was I ready? I don't think so. And that played out how that played out. It took me a very long time to finally finish school. Did you have any mentors at that time in your teen, 20 years? I'm going to say no. Mm-hmm. I don't think I had any guidance that I could say was meaningful from mm-hmm. an adult. Yeah. And so then you stopped, you can say, believing in God or at least going to church. Or you didn't even go to church or you did? So, no, when I came to VCU, my mom was like, oh, look, your dorm is right by the Catholic, the cathedral. And I was like, oh, great. (laughs) And I never went. Um, So, no, as soon as it was up to me, I was done. Mm -hmm. I had no interest. Well, tell me about adult Maria then. Ooh, adult Maria. Adult adult me is not that old, I don't think. So, well, like not right now, but I guess I'm assuming your launch into the world as adult Maria. <laughs> like, I remember when I left home that I was just like, you know, I'm old now. I'm an adult now. Oh my, my gosh. Decisions. When I left home, I think that I was so, I felt like my identity was so much intertwined with my role in my family that when I left and went to college, I was like, oh, well, what am I without you know like my siblings here to to be around all the time um so it was really just like I felt like college and those early years was just me like just floundering Mm -hmm. because I just really didn't know who I was um and I was trying to figure that out and I think that was all just definitely a look all at all of that now is just like my uh road to Jesus okay um because everything that I tried to do in life to feel better about life or feel better about my choices or like, oh, I'm, I'm going to go do this thing because that's going to make everything okay. It was just all, in, it was all vanity mm-hmm. for me until I found God for real. Yeah. Which we'll get to soon. Okay. <laughs> did you declare a major? Did you go with any uh, friends or did you go alone to college? So I had a really good friend that was interested in VCU. And then I just was interested in VCU. I had wanted to go to a school in, in Long Beach, California. And my parents were completely opposed to out of state. So I only applied to VCU because I knew I would get in. I had Mm -hmm. very good grades. Um, That was like VCU wasn't easy in. So I only applied to VCU and I got in, of course. And I forgot your question. (laughs) I asked if you declared a major. Did you choose Long Beach because you told me once you were a beach girl? I chose Long Beach because I wanted to be in California because all of one side of my family is there. And I was always like, why don't we live there? (laughs) <laughs> I want to go to California. I want to be there. So that was mainly my like goal. I, I honestly think that college is basically like a VCU mm-hmm. of that of that area. I'm um, big art school, liberal arts too. Uh, so it's kind of funny when you think about it. I went to basically it's like um, East Coast version. But I was 
going to be MassCom, okay. Mass Communications, with the track of public relations. Oh. So because I'd just been around my mom my whole life yeah. and her her like job, I it just felt really familiar. Mm-hmm. And I liked people. And back then I had like a subscription to every single magazine you can imagine. And I read all of it. So I thought like, you know, in PR, you have to really be up on, like you said, pop pop culture is kind of a thing for me. Yeah. So I was like, naturally, these will use my talents. But then I quickly realized I do not care about any of that. Okay. So that was kind of hard because I'm learning this stuff and I felt like I knew a lot of it, but I would just became completely disinterested in it. And I changed my major to occupational therapy. Okay. And that is how I got linked up with the Faison School for Autism in Richmond. Um, at the time, the Faison School was a part of the psych department at VCU. Oh. And occupational therapists work heavily at that school. Mm -hmm. And I was told that working at Faison would give me experience that would be really helpful in the OT field. And then I kind of just fell in love with autism, which sounds strange. (laughs) But I did. I just fell in love with the people that I was connected to. And so um, I've been in that field ever since in some way or another. Yeah. I have some background and that as well so I can understand what you mean it's a whole world (laughs) it is yeah yeah so what's your connection to the school today so today I still work in tandem with the Faison school I think technically they would still be my employer although um, I've been told we're more like a contractor role but I am in what they call their family partner program and that is where adults with disabilities live in homes with families mm-hmm. throughout the city. So it's this beautiful way in which people who have disabilities and various support um, needs are able to match themselves with a family that can support them and give them the level of support that they require. So I've been taking care of my individual, my client for eight years now, and she lives with my family and I, and it's the coolest job. I remember when I first heard about it, I thought I can be a stay-at-home mom, but also (laughs) still have a job. Like that'll be so great. Yeah. And it is so great because Paige is like a part of our family. Mm -hmm. Um, My children came after her. Yeah. Uh, So it is really, to me, the coolest job ever because I can pour everything I know and all of my efforts into this individual and love on her and support her and hopefully make her life better. And she certainly made my life better. Yeah. So, yeah. How did you start out at the school? You started working there in college? Um, I took some time off from school. I kind of just paused. I put the pause button on there and started working at Faison for a number of years. And then that is where I met my husband. He worked there as well. And then we got... Remind me, were you in a class of little kids or... I always worked with adults. Okay. I was really interested in life skills. Mm -hmm. That's actually the department I worked in was called life skills. And we basically worked with individuals who were aging out of the school setting and um, helping them gain vocational skills Mm -hmm. um, and just just what it sounds like, life skills. So a lot of community-based learning, a lot of vocational uh, settings that I worked with them in. So we were in the community a lot. Mm-hmm. It was awesome. A lot of work. Yeah. But it, it's really cool to support people and just accessing their greater community. Whereas, you know, yeah. 50 years ago, people with autism would have just been sent away. Mm-hmm. So I think it's a really important, really important work. Yeah. 
I was going to ask you during your time there, had you seen a lot of changes in the field, guessing, or the way, like you said, the, the way that people think about people with autism, even from the time that you started there till now? I definitely think that... I don't know because sometimes you know you buy a car and then you notice that car on the road Mm -hmm. everywhere and you're like has this car been around yeah or do I only notice it because I just bought it so for me the world of autism opened up when I started working at Faison that was 2009 and I've seen so much growth just in Faison Mm -hmm. as a school itself so much growth it's this huge campus now and it was not that before but I do know that during the time that I've been working in the field Virginia specifically closed institutions okay rightfully so so they they closed those and said that you know people needed to be in the world mm-hmm. not separate from and so programs like mine the family partner programs were developed to be options for adults with disabilities to live you okay. know so there's like group home settings but this family partner thing was kind of a new dynamic. So I definitely feel like for me, I've seen a lot of growth just in accessibility Mm -hmm. and maybe the public's awareness of autism is growing, Mm -hmm. I guess also because it's more prevalent. Um, So there's nothing like experiencing something firsthand Mm -hmm. for for you to, I guess, see it or acknowledge it more widely. Mm -hmm. So yeah, I think it's touching people's lives more now. So I definitely see it as um, more mainstream. Yeah, that's a good way of putting it. And yeah, I remember when we first moved here because the job that I had right before we moved from California was working in a school where all of the children had autism and I worked one-on-one as an aide as well. And people would just say, you got to work at phase and you got to work at phase. And I just remember saying, I don't have a car. I don't have a car. Oh, yeah. So I never actually did work there. But if I had a car, I probably would have. And I wonder if our paths would have intersected. It was on the time. bus line. Well, <laughs> Richmond was scary for me. <laughs> I'm just confused by buses. I don't think I was scared, but the bus line was confusing. Yeah. The whole city. Ryan and I, I don't think we like walked more than maybe like a 10 block radius wow because it was just so new I, I i don't know if you could imagine something so different yes i can it was for me whole <laughs> life you know yeah so we would just stay in our little <laughs> i did that when i first came because virginia mm-hmm. beach and richmond mm-hmm. were like night and day you know so, so we i would, just stayed in the campus <laughs> yeah we would walk from the fan to campus we wouldn't pass Broad Street, I don't think. And then the farthest that we would get would be like the Cary Street Kroger. And I was like, that was our world. I also think that the VCU campus was completely and utterly different in 2003 when I came. Yeah. (laughs) It was scary. Yeah. And now it's well lit and Mm -hmm. it's clean. Um, You can can walk through Monroe Park. That's a good point. Totally different. Anyway, well, this is a broad question. You can pick up on it in this point in your life or if you want to go back earlier or you can answer something from both, but just like a significant turning point in your life. Is there like an event that marked you in a specific way? I definitely think a huge turning point in my adult life was meeting Brian, okay, my husband. I think that prior to meeting him, I hadn't really wanted to do adult things. You know, like the idea of getting married or having kids. I really wasn't, I think I thought a lot about my future, mm-hmm. but maybe not in good ways. I hadn't wanted all the traditional things. What year are we talking now? We are talking 2010. Okay. 
So a little bit of arrested development for me because I was definitely in my mid-20s. So uh, meeting him, it was like, wow, I love this person so much and he's so great. And I had always thought if if I were going to have children, I would only do it if it were in the right setting. And when you meet someone that you can instantly feel like would be such a great father, like a dad type, that's so cool because prior to that, I hadn't really seen myself in in those roles. I really don't even know what I thought. I can't even tell you. But Mm. turning point for me was meeting Brian because I think that gave me some, a real focus on like what what it was that I did want to happen later on so had you finished school by this point i hadn't okay. no um I, I had stopped i stopped for a, a number of years i think that a lot of stuff in my personal life was going awry and school was just falling by the wayside and that's a waste of money and so i just kind of was like i need to shelve that and so he and i met when that was um in that interim yeah and um, so he asked you out you went <laughs> <laughs> well it's so funny brian was not on my radar he was so goofy and so silly, all the things I love about him. But when I met him, I didn't have a thought at all of, I am going to date this person or I like this person or no, I just, uh, he would always be around. I think he had a crush on me and everyone else could see it and I couldn't. (laughs) Um, So when we finally were dating, several people were like, well, it's about time, you know? And And I was like, what are you talking about? But we very quickly, once I liked him, then we very quickly went on our first date within like a week or two of me realizing like, oh, I like this guy. He's cool. Yeah. And the rest is history. You know, we've mm-hmm. been dating ever since. And I honestly think that we worked because I wasn't interested in him right away. Okay. So I wasn't too shy because I think previously if I liked someone, then they would never know it because then I would never talk to them again. Okay. <laughs> yeah. I was like, oh, I like that person and then that's it. Mm-hmm. Then I was like too shy to talk to them. It was like too overwhelming for me. So it was probably um, a God thing that mm-hmm. I didn't like Brian right away because then we were able to become friends. It was at this point in your life still kind of like you don't imagine yourself as married. So did you even think about marrying him or you just... Not at all. Yeah. No, no, that came later. But I wanted to, I wanted something long term, mm-hmm. you know, like all of a sudden I was like, oh, I want to like seriously date this person. Mm-hmm. I knew that. I just didn't know how that would look. Yeah. And did he have different intentions for you? <laughs> I don't know. I think, I think Brian was different than I was. He was like a serial monogamist, you know, just like <laughs> always in, in long term relationships. Mm-hmm. And that would suddenly end and then he would get in another one. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? So that was sort of like his his thing he would he's gonna kill me for saying that but you know like we all have our I guess dating style I just like to be I just like to be silly and meet people Mm -hmm. um and Brian was more serious okay so what are some obstacles you had to overcome well neither of us were Christian yep so that's a giant one Mm -hmm. because I would not be married 10 years to this year (laughs) if it wasn't for Jesus Mm. we were dating we got engaged. We moved in together. And then basically within six months of that, everything just, the bottom fell out. Like, you know, I personally don't think most relationships are sustainable without Christ. Yeah. Um, and we were on the cusp of just breaking up and calling off our engagement. A lot was going on. Uh, and my parents gifted us this 
really cheesy like weekend away thing. I can't remember what it was called, but we just did it because it was kind of like in my mind, this will be something fruitful or we'll break up and there you go. You know, mm-hmm. so we did it. Um, and it's it was uh, Christian based. And I think that was really integral in pointing us towards um, wanting to approach God together. Okay. Um, so that, however corny that weekend was. Was it in Richmond? Or? It was It was at the Founders Inn in, okay. in Kempsville. My parents live like um, two miles from... Wow. Do you know what that place no. is? Um, no. It's... Um, <laughs> Sounds nice. Okay. It's right, right, right by... Um, I'm going to butcher this. It's right where they do like a like CBN or... TBN? CBS? Um, no, no, no. Christian um, Broadcasting Yeah, Network? it's like, yeah, it's um where they like report from. Um, okay. I I know what that place looks like in California, but I don't know what it looks like here. I can see um, in my mind over there. That's okay. Man, I wish... I, Somebody knows but, somewhere. Yes. Oh, people know. <laughs> uh, so it's kind of, there's a college over there, a really small one. Regency maybe? So yeah, we went to that. And then the awesome part from that was that we were both on the same page about wanting to pursue a relationship with God. And Brian had gone to school with a guy named Paul, and he had been talking to us for months about how he'd been going to this small little church in the basement of uh, the Tikvot on on Boulevard. <laughs> and so since Brian's like, do what's comfortable first thing, mm-hmm. he was like, hey, Paul, tell us about your church. And I was like, we're not going to just stop at the first church we go to. I don't want to be around any Jesus freaks. Like growing up Catholic, Mm non-denominational, Protestants. (laughs) Like (laughs) your eyes. You know, like, like this is all, this is basically heresy. You know, like the (laughs) fact that I am now going to a non-Catholic church. My mom is going to murder me. Um, I was really apprehensive because I just had all these like thoughts about like, overly zealous Jesus people. Yeah. So I was really nervous about going and Paul was at the time attending your community group and that's what we went to first. We went to a community group first to meet the people of the yeah. church. And let then, me tell you what Ryan remembers. <laughs> he said that because he knew Paul a fun aside if anyone knows Ryan today, Paul was the you probably know this was the first person Ryan ever shared the gospel with. What? Yeah, no, he he not. was the first person who, yeah, well, and he shared the gospel with him. And I think he later trusted Christ talking to his now wife, Hannah. But he basically cornered Ryan and said, you have to tell me about your faith. That sounds right like him. <laughs> now. And Ryan was terrified. And which is really interesting because, again, if anyone knows Ryan now, he's constantly sharing the gospel. And so, yeah, Paul, that's just a really special story, special person. And then Ryan remembers, Paul said, hey, Ryan, would I have this group of guys. Will you come and mm. talk to them? Yeah. And I guess Brian was in that group. And Ryan remembers that Brian didn't say anything. He just listened. Brian was the only one that later came forward and wanted to like know more and came to Remnant and eventually, you know, trusted Jesus. So yes, I saw Brian that evening. Okay. After he came. So what do you remember? <laughs> um. Brian loves Paul, so he was not ever going to go there and be disrespectful. Mm-hmm. But I think that he listened and heard a lot and came back just like blown away, like, mm-hmm. whoa, like I have a lot to think of mm-hmm. about after having sat there. Yeah. Uh, and our, our other friend, the other guy friend, 
I think wasn't having it at all and was really <laughs> angry. Um, it was really funny because when they got married, uh, we all sat on the upstairs away from everybody else <laughs> because we felt like outsiders. Yeah. Uh, we had not yet come to Remnant, I don't think. I don't know. Mm-hmm. It was still in the, in the meantime. But yeah, I remember that night. It made quite the impression on Brian. But like mm-hmm. I said, he loved Paul so much. And that's why relationships are so important. Yeah. That he was willing to sit there. And if it was important to Paul, he was open to hearing it. Mm-hmm. So you were still trying to figure out if you even wanted to be there. How did Jesus capture your attention? Like, when did you get so, thirsty? <laughs> well, we definitely got thirsty for a church. And so Remnant was the first one that was sort of on our list. And I had these, I had these ideas of what I wanted from a church i knew what i did not want and wouldn't you know it remnant like checked every box so we did end up staying mm-hmm. but i laughed because basement remnant ticked it or i checked did not every go, box. i did not go there so like oh, the first okay. time we went was downtown okay yeah um, they had moved to downtown so i think some time had passed since the the basement church but it was a godly thing that doug ponder was preaching mm-hmm. the time that I went because um he speaks to me mm-hmm. he always has he's very heady very logical mm-hmm. I needed that I needed someone to um not appeal to emotion but logic rather and he said Jesus more times than I could count and that was <laughs> on my list I did not want to go to a church that never brought up Christ I knew that for some reason Thank you, Lord. Mm -hmm. I knew that that was not the type of environment I wanted to be in. I wanted to be in a church that was a that was Christ centered Mm -hmm. and spoke of Him often, Um, because wandering away from the like Catholic Church, I was very aware of how things could maybe go south when they weren't gospel when it wasn't gospel centered in the message. And Doug was just awesome and amazing. And I don't remember the sermon, but I remember he just hit it out of the park. And I was thinking, gosh, I want to hear him again and again. Yeah. And so we kind of like recapped together and um, I wanted to stick. I wanted to keep going, you know, and they always say, give it four weeks. And I was like, well, let's give it four weeks. (laughs) (laughs) Even back then. (laughs) Yes. Even back then I could give that speech um, by heart. Uh, (laughs) So we gave it four weeks and the community group was amazing. And there are a lot of people that we were talking about earlier this evening. Yeah. That, are that were all in the dating fiance stage and now they're married with kids and they're still still like faithful remnant parishioners, I guess. Is yeah. that the right word? Members. Member, <laughs> members, yeah. Yeah, it's just amazing how all of that unfolded. Yeah. Yeah. Good memories. So what is your biggest failure and regret? <laughs> in life? <laughs> yes, go for life. <laughs> oh my gosh. So my biggest failure and regret is not turning to Christ sooner mm. because I really didn't value myself and I didn't find myself worthy. And when I found, when I reoriented my heart, when Christ reoriented my heart and I found really honestly realized the value in everybody, everyone. Mm -hmm. It just completely turned on its head, like my goals in life and my focus. So my biggest regret is not having opened my heart to God in a meaningful way sooner. I would have really um, avoided a lot of heartache. Yeah. Yeah. Are there things in the past that you cared about that are hard for you to relate to now? Yeah, I think that I thought... What you did for a job, I put a lot of value in that. Mm-hmm. 
I didn't put a lot of value in teaching. Some people that were maybe I, that like, you know, the statement, if you can't do those that can't do teach. Yeah. Have you heard that? Yeah, absolutely. I yes. hate that. I, I think that's the most ridiculous statement. However, that was said in front of me as a child. And I remember thinking that making an impression on me. Mm-hmm. And so like I'll, the profession I'm in now, like caring for someone in a really nitty gritty way, mm-hmm. homeschooling, um, uh, my heart is completely changed around what determined your value. And I thought that like your status and how much money you made was really what was important. Yeah. And it's not. Did Brian have those views too? Did you guys contrast on that? Um, you know, I wish I could say that we had a lot of really deep, meaningful conversations about life when mm-hmm. we were just young and silly, but I don't think we did. Mm-hmm. Um, it wasn't until we were confronted with Christ in, in the gospel that we ever really started having those conversations. And at that point, God had already started the ball rolling in our hearts. So things were changing. Yeah. So I definitely think we started having adult conversations when we came to faith. Mm-hmm. So prior to that, I couldn't even really tell you what it is that he thought it would just be me projecting maybe uh, or like assuming just to share with people that don't know this part of your story that's something that y'all did together was trusted christ yes yes so if you want to just talk about that well i think that i kind of touched on it a little like we were going to break up and Mm -hmm. like we weren't going to be together and i felt like i don't know i think that was definitely god that god was you know maybe it was brian through God, God through Brian, Um, because Brian would have said he was a Christian at that point, Mm -hmm. but there was no evidence of it. Um, I, you know, none, zero. And so I think that was really important to him. And I think he brought it up because it definitely wasn't me that wanted to do any of this stuff. Um, And then my parents gifted us that weekend. So Brian was the one that was open to God and I was a little more apprehensive. And I think that's why God put people in my life that appealed to um, logic. Mm-hmm. At least that's what I viewed it as, like Doug. Yep. Um, so were you all baptized at Remnant? We were. Yeah, we were baptized at Rem- Remnant. But that came so that came. Um, I want to say we've been going at least a year before we were baptized. It was so funny. I never really thought about getting baptized again because I was like, I have, I've been baptized, you know, like as a baby. Like, isn't it the same thing? But no, it is not the same thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's wholly and entirely different because it's something. As an adult, I'm actively choosing to. Um, accept Jesus and publicly say that like he has saved me and mm-hmm. I'm new. Whereas I feel like in the Catholic religion back then, it was like, you don't want your baby to die and be in limbo. <laughs> so baptize them. Um, so that was really such a wild experience. And that was all Brian as well, because that's another thing. I didn't want to be dunked in water in front of everybody. <laughs> I didn't like that was horrifying to me. Um, not that I didn't want to be baptized, but if it had, if it could have been like a private one, <laughs> I would have been all about that. Um, so that that was definitely um, out of my comfort zone mm-hmm. to do. Gosh, and I don't even know if they had it up on the screen back then. I was, I was trying to remember. <laughs> was it a point where it was like there was like the horses um, this one trough? Was, this one was <laughs> at downtown and it was, was it the, the blow up okay. the blow up one. <laughs> okay, That's you the didn't one. get the horses trough. Right. Which was, yeah. And I think it was Doug. I think Doug baptized me. But gosh, I don't remember now. Was that something you shared with your family? My family came up. Yeah. Yeah. It's so funny because not long after starting Remnant, my family took a trip to D.C. and my mom and I had one-on-one time and I was, I broke, I broke the news to her (laughs) that I was no longer Catholic. 
<laughs> but I think she was so happy oh, cool. that I was seeking God. Mm. And she has since been baptized. So wow, I think Remnant had... I didn't know that. Yeah, I think yeah. Remnant had a very strong influence on my family. Had just their experience going mm-hmm. and seeing the community and going to so many sermons. We always invited them out. That's beautiful. And then you were married by... Doug. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> and he did all of our... And, and cow, cowgirl boots. Yeah. Right? Oh, my gosh. Navy blue ones. <laughs> no. <laughs> I thought they were cool. We walked up to Doug after a sermon, and we were like, hey, we don't really know you, um, but I like your style, uh, and we want to elope, but we want to do this premarital counseling. And mm-hmm. he was like, when do you want to get married? And we were like, um, in like in like a month (laughs) he was like okay so him and jessica got us right on in and we did premarital counseling like that month and we did not elope but we had a very 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 small wedding um with just our like immediate family almost yeah you know very small basically like elopement beefed up (laughs) you know (laughs) like the one step away from it it felt like but i will never forget how like loving and caring the community group was Mm. just kind of like rallied around us and made us feel like we weren't ruining our lives which was maybe um a posture that other people (laughs) had because they were like what you're gonna get married in a month like what because it's kind of a lot to be like hey we're christian now Mm -hmm. we're gonna get married in a month um and we're gonna do all these things that we had no interest before you know Mm -hmm. so i think it was kind of a shock to a lot of our family how our lives kind of just did this 180 yeah. And I think a lot of people questioned whether it was real or um, going to last. Well, that's just what popped in my head and that God is so faithful to you. And yeah, you never look back. You're still here and the story's still being written. And yes, all of it. Yes. Yeah. Thank God. Let's focus on what you're appreciate now that maybe you didn't have eyes to see back then. In regard to myself? Mm, sure. Or, or just like anything? Your upbringing. I think that I can appreciate all of the all of the negative stuff because I do think I had a, a very sordid past, colorful. Um, I went down a lot of like wrong roads mm-hmm. that I would never want for my children. And the way I look back on it now is that God was God was using all of that to draw me to him. Okay. And it needed to happen in his timing, his way. Mm-hmm. I think for it. God knows us, you know, at our core. Um, and he knows what is going to call us to him. I mean, I, I, that's what I, I believe. And so I think all of these things that I experienced really primed me to be finally open to receiving him. So that's that's how I view everything, maybe the negative, that um, in a positive way now. Mm-hmm. It's a reframe, I guess. Yeah. Is, does that answer your question? It absolutely okay. does. Yeah, 100%. All right, so this is the soil you came from. Is there anything else that you want to share? I was just going to say, I always feel really thankful that I grew up in an environment that was open to Christ and Jesus' was, name was said a lot, mm-hmm. you know. I so think, much so that that was so important to you that you kept hearing it. Yes. All right, Maria, before we close out your first episode, if you don't mind sharing with everyone, where in our church family have you witnessed or experienced Christ-like virtue from a woman in our church? All right, so I cheated. Yes, you in, did. <laughs> in, this, 
in this section because there are three women that mean so much to me. They've just been my rock. I've just experienced so much since coming to Remnant. Uh, and those three women are Taylor Cox, Lindsay McCune, and Amanda Cowgill. And I chose those three because they all exemplify just like such great humility. They're so faithful in their following of Christ. I can turn to them about anything and they will point me to Jesus. They have. They'll build me up. Even when I don't even think that they know that they're doing it. Mm. Just the way that they love their husbands and love their children. It's just so beautiful. They really feel like sisters to me. And it's so funny because we don't see each other quite as much outside of um, community group as we could because we're all so busy. But they're just such faithful friends. um, And they show me such kindness and compassion. I think sometimes I'd be lost without them. Mm. Would you pray for them? Right now? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Sorry, this is this is such a funny thing. Um, before coming to Remnant, um, praying out loud was something I could barely do. So I'm going to do my best. Lord Jesus, um, I just want to lift up Taylor, Lindsay, and Amanda um, to you, Lord. Um, thank you so very much for placing them in my life. Um, thank you for their faithfulness. Um, thank you for their um, the love that they have for their families um, and the community at Remnant. Um, thank you for their kind words um, and their encouragement. Pray that each of them knows how special that they are and that their gifts that you've given them really do touch others. Lord, I just thank you for all the the fruit that is in their lives because of you. I just pray that they continue to follow you faithfully um, and that I can be the same support to them that they have been to me. It's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Amen. Thank you for listening to The Whole Home Podcast, a podcast that displays the unity of sisters in a local church and the way God so wonderfully gives us to each other in our uniqueness and in our sameness for His glory. The stories we share weave together as one grand testimony to the work of Christ and His faithful presence in the garden of our lives. Remember, the Master Gardener is always at work, so let's yield to Him and grow where we're planted.